0: Success does not make you happy, happiness makes you
1: successful. So entrepreneurs have the Midas touch, but they do not sell things. This is the other big misconception. They solve things, solve a problem for five people. You have friends, solve for a million, you're wealthy, solve for a billion, you change history. You trade a day of your life, a week of your life, a month of your life. You're going to wake up one day and you gave up the most precious thing you'll ever have.
0: Hello, friends. Uh, It's an honor to be once again sharing wisdom with one of the most respected thinkers, authors and positive disruptor, Jay Summit. Jay, sir, welcome to this particular session. And we want to get a lot and lots of your experience to be given to the young and, of course, the future generation across the world. Thank you so much, Jay, uh, for being part of the show.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: Jay, you know, I've been listening to your talks. I've been going through your profile. It's an amazing profile. Your personality is so warming up. And I'll tell you, uh, 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 when I was hearing your TED talk, one thing which really impressed me, of course many things impressed me, but one thing that impressed me when you said, success does not make you happy,
1: happiness makes you successful. Absolutely. It all starts with a positive mindset. Quite simply, if you don't have time to read my books, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And in my most recent book, Future Proofing Me, I decided to put my reputation on the line and I took a homeless immigrant to the US and I mentored him. I gave him no capital, no business introductions. Had to start a business that took zero money and spoiler alert, he went from homeless to self-made millionaire in under a year. I synthesized those mentoring sessions down to 12 truths And if you follow these 12 truths, you'll have the same results. It's not about getting rich quick scheme. It's about understanding how the world really works. I've run giant companies where I've had hundreds of thousands of employees and I've sat in an empty room and started a startup time and again. And you notice a pattern. And if you would have told me when I was starting that dozens of friends would become billionaires, I didn't know what a millionaire was. And I knew these people before they were household names and they're no different than everybody listening to our conversation today. The only difference is they didn't stop everything. We enjoy in life, the clothes you're wearing, the movie, you see the book you read was done by somebody that was stubborn. It's the only person that can see is you and you're going to fail and failing is part of the process. Think of a newborn child. They don't stand up and go, today I shall walk across the room. They get up and they fall. They get up and they fall and they learn. So in business, when you fail, you don't end up where you started. You either earn or you learn, but either way it propels you forward. It's like playing a video game. You Sit down with that game and you hit that one obstacle and you can't get past it. Hammer, hammer, hammer. You get past that immovable obstacle. and Guess what? There's another one. That's what the world's like.
0: Uh, in fact, uh, you said something nice about, you know, mentoring uh, the future entrepreneurs. Uh, tell me, you know, uh, you saw a pattern, as you said. You know, there's a lot of patterns that you see in successful entrepreneurs. And I'm sure there will be a lot of young boys and girls coming and wanting to get mentored by you. But how do you choose and how do you pick up those young boys and girls whom you want to mentor? Are there specific qualities in them, some drive in them that, or a spark
1: that you see in them? so i write my books to mentor at scale i don't mentor people i don't have the the time i've taught at the university level and i noticed that some of the brightest students are clueless about how the world works and no offense to fellow professors but many of them have never been in the real world so their advice is useless okay theory doesn't work okay so What I tell people is you cannot do it on your own. That myth of the self-made man or woman is a myth. I used to run the world's largest music company, EMI. And I remember being in London at Wembley stadium, 120,000 screaming fans and our artist is on the stage by himself. And everybody feels he's there. He made it on his own. It's him singing to my heart. What a connection, but they don't see the manager and the lawyers, and the songwriters, and the musicians, and the makeup artists, and the roadies, and the thousands of people that it took to make that one-on-one moment. So yes, sending me an email and saying, will you be my mentor is a waste of our, my time and the person's. And here's why. If I gave you Bill Gates' email address and you asked him to be your mentor, what could he possibly teach you at the stage that you're at? He hasn't been down in the trenches for 50 years. He could tell you the best way to manage billions of dollars and and run a global empire, but he couldn't tell you how to get from the empty room. So you're going to find people on LinkedIn that are one or two rungs above you. People that write about themselves, people that are out there posting, because they're doing that because they want to make connections with people. And you don't go, will you be my mentor? That's like walking to a bar and saying, well, you have my baby. It doesn't work, okay? You have to start a dialogue and a relationship with people. And over time, it'll happen organically. Mother Teresa met her mentor on a bus bench, waiting for the bus. I mean, some of the most successful people met mentors at very interesting stages. You know, when when the student is ready, the teacher appears, so to speak. But build that team. And the reason people want to help is because life isn't a zero sum game. In high school or in elementary school, you were taught math is like this. Jay buys a banana for $1, I sell it to you for $2. That's how you make money in business. I take your money as if there's only so much money. And that in poker, if you're playing poker, that's called a zero sum game. Game theory, there's only as much money as on the table. But every 32 hours, that's every two days, there's a new self-made billionaire in US dollars. They're not taking somebody else's money, they're literally making money from thin air. My last startup was acquired for $200 million. If I told you I was starting a new one and i give you 10% for $10,000, what do I now have? 10,000 in cash and 90,000 in equity. Hmm. I can hire people with that, I can buy things. Where did that equity come from? Out of thin air. So. Entrepreneurs have the Midas touch, but they do not sell things. This is the other big misconception. They solve things. Solve a problem for five people, you have friends. Solve for a million, you're wealthy. Solve for a billion, you change history. So look in your life. If you have problems, you're halfway there. You're not so unique that you're the only person with problems. Um, Reed Hastings, who founded Netflix, Before he founded it, he rented a movie from the biggest chain that rented movies in the US called Blockbuster. And he forgot to turn the movie back in. And his late fees were $40. And he goes, this is horrible. There's gotta be a better way. That's all it took for him to start on the road to Netflix. There were three guys I know in San Francisco couldn't pay their rent. They were broke, but they knew Macworld, the Apple show was coming to San Francisco So they got some air mattresses and they said they'd rent out their apartment to people to want to get in there. And that's called Airbnb. So these things didn't start with a business plan. They didn't start with a master's in business. They didn't start with a chart. They started with a problem. And there's no gatekeepers to capital. You're one click away from 5 billion consumers. You only have to be right for one nanosecond to make a million bucks. I took this young man, he did all the work. And in the first month he earned more money than he'd ever seen in a year. I think he did $70,000 his first month. Wow. He had such a positive attitude by the time of that first month was over, he could have flown without an airplane. I mean, he he didn't believe it was possible. Now, I didn't have time to have him organically develop a positive mindset. So I used a a principle uh, called the Pygmalion Effect. In our first meeting, I lied to him. Not proud of lying, but there was a purpose. The Pygmalion Effect was developed by a professor in California, where he went into a school, tested all the students, and went back and told the teachers, out of all the students, these three would be the super achievers, the super learners. And at the end of the year, guess what? Those three kids excelled better than anybody else. But the professor lied, he never looked at the test results. He picked three names out of a hat. But if you tell people that they're special and you treat them special, they become special. So by me, an older person with a white beard sitting down with this young man and telling him out of a hundred candidates, he was the only one that had all the attributes to become a millionaire, he believed it. When in fact, he was the only person I interviewed because I didn't want to cherry pick the perfect person or that invalidated the experiment. So getting that mindset, that's the first step. And there's 12 steps. Another one that drives me crazy on social media is people that tell you fear isn't real. Hmm. Many people are afraid to start. I, I spoke in Mumbai at Fiki Frames a few years ago.
0: Okay.
1: And I said, you know, you got a lot of people to compete with, you know? And you have a culture where you might be fearful of embarrassing your parents or your family or you losing your money or losing their money or all these fears that stop you from going. You can't overcome those fears. They're real. We're hardwired, the basic center part of our brain, the reptile brain, the fight or flight, we're fearful. But pretend that you're in the street in Mumbai And amazingly, there was no traffic. And there's a big, giant lorry filled with dynamite and sharks for some reason. It has no brakes and it's barreling towards you. Are you thinking about losing money? Are you thinking about embarrassing your family? No, you're thinking about your life's about to be over if you don't get out of the way of this this truck. So you can prioritize fear. So if you're showing up at a job that's just paying you enough to show up but not enough to care, that doesn't allow you to build your dreams and you're just making somebody else's dream come true. You trade a day of your life, a week of your life, a month of your life. You're going to wake up one day and you gave up the most precious thing you'll ever have. For what? That's what you should be fearful of. Living a life of regret, of giving up that one thing. Because every day that you're not working on your future, you're giving up the time that could build it. And you're going to wake up one day. I I avoid mirrors, but I still think of myself as a 21-year-old starting my first company. Okay? It's been a blur. Start a company, hop on an airplane, and keep going. But go visit grandparents. Go visit old people and ask them their biggest regret in life. And it's never what they failed at. It's what they failed to try. So you will find so much fulfillment. And I believe the purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. So what is your purpose? What are you doing to make that world better? It's like another one of my pet peeves is people that ask little kids, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Dumbest question is if you get to be one thing, answer wisely. No, the question you should ask is what problem do you wanna solve when you grow up? Because every stage of life, children, anyone sees injustice, sees things that are incomplete, things that can be better. My favorite is a 17-year-old high school girl in the US this year. In high school, here we have science fairs. You make a little project, and you know, everybody walks around and sees everybody's little project. I did the most famous that fallback, a baking soda and vinegar volcano. Okay. It's fun, you get to blow stuff up. But this high school girl, looked at the number four cause of death in the US is being in a hospital, infections. Make a long story short, no doctors in her family, no scientists, just regular kid. What if you could make sutures, stitches, that change color if they're infected? This will save millions of lives. She figured out how to do it just using some basic vegetables, knowing the pH balance of, of infections and what the body should be. Smart enough to go get a patent, and now she's saving lives and making millions and she hasn't graduated high school. So you and I are a bunch of slackers.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, it connected to me when you said about Bemley and EMI, I worked in the music industry in early stages. Huh? And those were the days of the audio tapes and CDs. Yeah. It completely disrupted. You know, the music industry then and now, how do you see such changes across various industries and you've done it yourself?
1: Yeah. So EMI was the only major that had a label in India. Um, Mohan, who ran it, was a great friend uh, because he his start off his talk each year. In a country of all piracy, why should we have a label? Um, but I was brought into the music industry for exactly that reason. I was already disrupting other fields. I've been on the Internet forever. and. I remember the CEO saying to me, you know, we need you to change things. This was the year Napster, half of all money went away, half of all jobs went away, everybody was closing down. And I said, I know nothing about the music industry. And he wisely said, we have 11,000 people that know about the music industry, what we don't know about is the future. So he empowered me to make mistakes and try everything. And I use that same principle with my direct reports. If you work for me, I tell you two things on day one. One, you don't work for me, I work for you. My job is to give you what you need to succeed. And if I don't give it to you, then it's my fault. If I do and you don't do your job, then it's your fault. Number two, if you go 12 months and you make zero mistakes, I will fire you. Because the purpose is to try things that haven't been tried and you can't get insight without trying things. The only competitive advantage any corporation, Tesla, Tata, anybody has in the 21st century is to get insights from your customers faster than the competition. And I can't tell you how many corporations are drowning in data and zero insights. For those that want a guaranteed quick job, Write that you're a data scientist when you get out of college. You'll instantly have Google and Facebook and Apple offering you a fortune. Say yes to Google, they'll fly in, you'll work there, even if you're a dance major. It'll take them two months to realize you don't even know what a computer is, and they'll fire you. But then for the rest of your career, you're a former Google data scientist. You'll never starve.
0: Very, very interesting In fact, you just made me remember, I worked with some of the best leaders in India, maybe Narayana Murthy or Ratan Tata or Anand Mahindra. And you have worked with the best in the US, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. Do you see a common pattern among all these leaders across the globe?
1: Stubborn. (laughs) They have a vision. Um, Steve was, you know, if you read the book, I mean, don't want to speak ill of the dead, horrible human being. But Wozniak, who was the foremost person knowing anything about computers, his partner, couldn't have made a dime and couldn't have built a company. Steve couldn't read code, couldn't write a line of code, didn't even have to know how a computer worked. But there was nobody more driven that would go and do whatever it takes to get something done, violate the law, doesn't matter. That that was his approach um what they all have in common is a vision of what they believe is inevitable yeah right and when i started my first company at 21 i knew nothing about business it was probably a stupid idea and everything else but i was ignorant enough to be turned out to be right i thought it was common sense that everybody would get a computer right bill gates thought the same thing um at that time, the companies that made computers didn't believe that there would be everybody getting a computer. They couldn't figure out what people would use computers for. Um, one of the, the people I worked with at the beginning of my career had this brilliant idea for business. What if you hook up, and this would be great in Mumbai, you hook up computers to every traffic signal so you can synchronize traffic. The company was called Trafo Data. Mm-hmm. Brilliant idea, couldn't fail, except for one problem. No city planner in the United States, this is in the late 1970s, understood what they were talking about. So Trafo Data went bankrupt. The two founders, Bill Gates and Paul Allen, second company was called Microsoft. It did a little bit better. So there's nothing wrong with failing. Giving up is something that's wrong. Henry Ford's first company failed. Walt Disney's first company failed. The list goes on and on. And you know, it's easy to look at these people on a pedestal when they're globally famous and have changed history. Yeah. But they were no different than the rest of us. Some, you know, Reed Hoffman, you know, Elon, genius level, you know, brains. But if you read my book, I do share all the studies. High IQ doesn't translate to high wealth. Okay talk to any head of a university, they befriend the C students because that's who ends up endowing the campus with lots of money. Um, So going to the right school doesn't help. And what we learned from the pandemic, people have tried to do remote working forever and people have offshored and outsourced, usually crappy jobs. But what they're now have gotten used to is you can live anywhere and work everywhere which meaning there's no competitive advantage to being in Silicon Valley with your physical body. So why pay the rent? Why share a cramped apartment with a bunch of people when you can live like a king? Um, I have a friend whose son is an engineer at at one of the top global companies. They said he doesn't have to go back to the office ever. So for what he was paying for rent in, in, in Cupertino, he now lives two blocks from the beach in Hawaii. Same price, I had roommates in California, no roommates in Hawaii. So you can now have a quality of life. And if you can work from anywhere, that also means you don't have to wait till you're old to see this beautiful world of ours. You can work one month in Mumbai and the next month in, in Rio de Janeiro and the next month in London. You know, the world can be whatever you want it to be. We're, we're interdependent, interconnected, And this is your magic ticket. So solve a problem.
0: Beautiful, I think that that, that's a very directional thought instead of looking
1: out for selling a product, solve a problem. Yeah, think of 10 years ago when the iPhone came out. We all know that we can't live without it now. Smartphones rule our lives and everything. But 10 years ago, Apple had that vision, but nobody else. And the proof was at the end of the first year, Let me tell you two of the top 10 best-selling apps in the world. There was a game with cats Mm. and there was a fart app. It made 20 fart sounds. (laughs) Yeah, you heard me right. Mm. So people didn't think of Uber or OpenTable or all these things. Now we're about to enter an era where we're going to have augmented reality glasses. Mm. We're gonna have heads up display all the time. Instead of five hours a day looking at a phone, we're going to get data from our environment all the time. What problem can you solve? I'll give you my favorite one, which comes with the glasses. It pushes against your bone here and can talk to you without others hearing it. Okay, it's bone conductivity through the jawbone. So now anybody can talk to you in 40 languages and you'll understand it. So now what you want to do is you want to travel with two pair of glasses, walk into the bar, there's the love of your life, ask them to put on those glasses and have a conversation with somebody where neither of you speak the same language. That is amazing. But it's equally amazing that you just found out that you're diabetic and you can't have sugar. And you go into a supermarket with all kinds of food and say, show me the foods with no sugar or no salt or the things that are halal, or the things that are keto diet or vegan or whatever it is. Lots of little problems can be solved just by a pair of glasses. And if you don't believe me, this is a trillion dollar opportunity. Google, Facebook, all of them are spending tens of billions of dollars, because when this happens, if they don't get it right, they are out of business. It's that same existential conversation we're having. Google owned the desktop for search suddenly nobody's using a desktop. Had Google not bought Android, Google would be toast, gone. So Google has to own this interface. Well, if you're not looking at your iPhone anymore, if Apple doesn't sell you the glasses, Apple's over on Facebook, et cetera. So they're working on building the infrastructure, the 5G, the network of sensors, all this stuff just for you to come along and solve one little problem. And to those that still don't believe that you're going to be wearing glasses, in the US this year, 80 million pairs of glasses were sold with one app, Focus, reading glasses. Wow. Think of it, reading glasses, the app is Focus, okay? 50 million pairs of glasses were sold with another app called Sun, Sun sunglasses. You're outside, you want to see the cricket match, the sun's in your eyes, you put on sunglasses. You bought that pair of glasses for that one app. I'm joking by calling it an app. But now imagine a pair of glasses that can do tons of problems, basic problems. And you may be the only person that bothered to have that app ready when those glasses start selling next year.
0: That's excellent. Solve a problem. In fact, uh, it brought me a thought in your book. It also speaks about leaders as wealth creators. So, leaders are not just leading people, but they're adding to the economy, they're
1: providing jobs, capital, whatever. So, what's your yeah, gov- gov- Governments don't do crap. Okay. <laughs> okay. I won't get an argument for that statement in any country on the planet. Okay. Sure. Sure. Including from presidents of head of state that I work with. Okay. Entrepreneurs are the only job creators, okay? And the pandemic wiped out the middle class globally. Wow. It destroyed wealth. At the same time, the 100 wealthiest people in the world doubled their net wealth over the past 14 months. Not had their best year, not doubled what they earned in a year, doubled what they had in their lifetime in one year. When I wrote this book five years ago, Elon Musk was worth $2 billion, pretty impressive. He's worth 300 billion now. Let me put that in perspective because people don't understand how much more a billion is than a million. I don't care if you're a math major and you know how to add zeros. And I thank everybody in India for inventing the zero, okay? Humans have been on this planet for about 300,000 years, okay? So back Old Divide Gorge in, in Africa, there's a guy in a cave, you know, whoop, whoop, That's 300,000 years ago, Homo erectus, okay? If that guy made a million dollars a year and lived for all these 300,000 years, Elon Musk still is worth more than him.
0: Wow. That's
1: $300 billion.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's that's perspective. For that much wealth creation in such a short
1: time. In five years. And let me tell you, so now you talk about driven. Alan did something very similar to the experiment that I did with this young man. Alan was an immigrant to the US mm-hmm. and he didn't know if he could make it as an entrepreneur. So he challenged himself. Could he learn to live on $1 a day? Wow. And he did that for a month. He bought oranges, Top Ramen, whatever. His first company, he and his brother had one PC. They slept in the office. They showered down at public showers. Cross town. The website was up during the day and at night they coded on it. Okay. And that became PayPal. And when that was sold, he had enough money to go and get the yacht and get the island and have, you know, little monkeys and whatever, you know, fantasy you have. But you know what he did? He took every penny and started Solar City, a solar company. SpaceX, a rocket company, and bought and took over Tesla, which was founded by some other guys. He put every penny that he earned from the big giant payout that all of us would say is enough money for several lifetimes, so much so that he had to borrow money for rent for his apartment from somebody else. Today, with $300 billion, he sleeps in a trailer in the parking lot at SpaceX. He doesn't have the house. He doesn't want material things. When I sat down with him first meeting, he said, I have enough money to cure cancer, but what good would that do? Life on this planet is over. I'm going to colonize Mars. (laughs) It wasn't a joke for him. That is his life's purpose. Now we can agree or disagree, but he's driven. And he's accomplished more in five years than most of us will do in five lifetimes. And yet we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Absolutely. What do successful people differ?
0: Documented everything in your
1: books. Thank you. Yeah, so. Yeah. I know this is available in India. I believe it's called Disrupt Yourself in India. Um, And I don't know if Future Proofing You is there yet. Um, By the way, if anybody knows publishers in India for any of the other gazillion languages that you have there, I'd love to see the book in Hindi and a bunch of other languages. Um, Great. We'll talk after the show. Make it happen. Absolutely. Because here's my I would have liked to kept my privacy. I would have i like to just do whatever I want. But I realized that we're not teaching people how to achieve success. And we live in a world with some huge problems. Climate change, I don't have to go through all the lists, but even basic stuff. So how much better would the world be if people start solving problems? And if I have that ability to teach people and to show them how, I mean, I had students in my class do $100 million the first year Wow, with no outside capital. So this can be achieved. So my purpose is I work with governments to teach them how to be more entrepreneurial. That's why I was in in India five years ago. Um, Your tax system actually works against startups. I mean, I'm not knocking it, but some countries, the rich believe if they can stay in power and stop other people from becoming rich, that is the solution. doesn't work that way because money doesn't know about borders, either does ideas or technology. So what you should be doing is encouraging everybody to try and build an entrepreneurial class. You know, look at Singapore, a swamp. Whoa. A piece of land that no, you don't even need an army because nobody would invade it. And look what they created in one man's lifetime. So this is all doable, okay? From the Wright brothers till we put a man on the moon was 66 years, <sighs> right? These aren't Herculean things. And the infrastructure is there for everybody. Sure. You can reach customers anywhere. I work with entrepreneurs in, in Africa, in Australia, all over the place. It really doesn't matter where you are. And I'm super blessed and lucky that everybody bothered to learn this impossible language called English, because I'm your typical American. I speak two languages, English and sarcasm, and uh, both get me far. Um, but that's about it. And the language barrier is gonna go away with our our new glasses. So now I won't feel like a moron when I'm walking around countries waiting for somebody to translate for me. Um, Tomorrow I'm in Italy. My book comes out in Italian. Um, And once again, I'll be speaking English, Um, but soon that won't be an issue. Everybody will have translation and think of what can be solved and created when we all can communicate. Wow, welcome to Hindi. Yeah, so (laughs) great advances.
0: Uh, In fact, I want to ask you about your book journey, how many books and what all you have done. And if I were to pick up the first book of
1: yours, which would you refer to? So the first one is Disrupt You, also known as Disrupt Yourself, where I really lay out how you get the ideas, how you do it, I break down. And as we said earlier, what most people, everybody thinks of changing the world but nobody thinks of changing themselves. So the first step is to change yourself. Your parents, your teachers, everybody that told you that you couldn't and shouldn't, well, they gave up on their dreams and they're trying to shield you from pain and hurt, okay? But you know what? A lobster doesn't grow until it breaks out of its shell, okay? And that's what you have to do. You have to take off the blinders. You have to see what's holding you back. You know, maybe you think you're not good at math because when you were six years old, You couldn't do seven times eight. Guess what? If I put you in a classroom with a bunch of six-year-olds, you'd be the best one in the class. So that that little voice in you is out of date. And once people can change that, the world is malleable. The world is so easy to change. The hardest thing is to change yourself.
0: Yes. I'm so glad that you actually spoke about uh, your book, Disrupt You. Uh, I would uh, suggest everyone to also watch your tech talk on the same subject. Well, yeah. That's an amazing TED talk. I want everybody to uh, check out uh, Jay on the social media platform. He's very active, so much wisdom. You know, there is one question that I always uh, usually ask uh, What is your advice to the young generation? But I have a different disrupting question for you. What is your advice to retired
1: people? Why would you retire? Wow. <laughs> I would rather wear out than Well. Wow. Until the world's perfect, why not perfect it? Until everyone's happy. I mean, you know, you can make a difference in every single day. If you can't find a person with a smile, give them yours. I mean, it takes the smallest things to encourage and to open a door. When I was starting my first company, I had this, idea was the early days of the PC. Back then, video games sounded beep, 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 beep. And now PCs would have sound cards. And I'm like, wait a second, you could put real rock and roll music into video games. I don't know anybody in the music industry. I don't know. So I sent an email to Bill Gates. I'd never met Bill Gates. I didn't know Bill Gates. But I said, Bill, no favors from you, but would you send a letter to David Geffen, the richest man, most successful man in the, ind- in the music industry, asking him to take a meeting with me. What did I have to lose? It didn't cost me anything and Bill did it. And the yeah. only billionaire in the music industry took the meeting and I explained, I wanted to have a game with all these famous rock stars in it. it became my best selling game ever, right? And that's what life is. If he had said, no, there's a 6 billion other doors to knock on. And, and that's all that it takes. It, 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 I noticed that over 40 years of a career, that the harder I work, the luckier I get. Wow,
0: that was amazing. I think uh, you mentioned something very nicely that, The era of retirement is over. It's more an industrial era concept of retiring at 60. Maybe you can find a new purpose at 60 and move on.
1: Oh, I'm 60 and I'm (laughs) found a new purpose. My original purpose, my original drive wasn't to be an entrepreneur, wasn't to start a business, wasn't to make money. I had two sons when I was very young and I wanted them to have a better life. So when there's no jobs, I had to figure out how to eat. So I learned real early on that any job you apply for, by definition already exists, which means there's somebody more qualified that should get it. But if you do something that no one else is doing, by definition, you're the best in the world at it. And that's what I did with this young mentor. He wanted to do social media. There's tens of millions of people doing social media. Why would somebody, Hire a, a homeless kid, right? doesn't make any sense. So I said, look at what people are talking about. What's a new field, what's a new industry and market yourself as a social media expert for that one area. Suddenly he's the only person in that area. And as you learned in business school, get your first client for free, but then you have a case study. Look what you did. And the next one will pay you tens of thousands of dollars and the next one hundreds of thousands. And, And that's all that it is. It's not rocket science. Just nobody's showing people the steps. So
0: Jay, here is my last question. What is the first step to entrepreneurship?
1: The positive mindset. Wow. And and the second step, if we have two seconds, and by the way, I have free workbooks for both of these. So anybody can go to my website, jaysamet.com, download them um, and start changing their life today. But I have a process that I explain in the books called the three problems a day for 30 days. And today, not tomorrow, if you really want to be successful, just write down three problems in your life. If you're in Mumbai, I'll give you the first one, traffic, okay? But by day two or day three, you're going to say, I ran out of problems because you're living your life on autopilot you're not noticing the moment by moment problems. So I had a friend who was doing this, and one morning he's taking his medicine and the phone rings. And then he gets off a call and he goes, did I take my medicine? If I did and i take another pill, I could overdose. If I don't, I could get sick. That's a problem. So he thought about it for a while and he got a little cheap watch, like you would get for, for you know, less than a dollar puts it on the bottle cap. And when you open it, it says, Oh, I opened it five minutes ago, or I opened it eight hours ago. Then they added Bluetooth. So now I know whether grandma took her medicine. And he now sells millions of these things called timer caps. Okay. It's that basic. I I write about in the book of mom, who it's the middle of the week and their child has to do a a project for school where it writes something on a big piece of poster board and she messes it up. It's nine o'clock at night daughter's crying, mom, please go to the store, get me another piece of paper, please, please, please. The mom relents, goes, but before she gives her the piece of paper, she takes a ruler and makes little fine lines on it. And the next day she's going, why don't they sell poster board with lines on it? Yeah. She got a patent and she makes about $5 million a year. No employees, it's that easy. So It all starts with these three problems a day. The end of the month, you will have 90 things to sort between what are you most passionate about solving and what has the biggest addressable market. And that'll get you on your way. And the traffic problem, there were three kids in Tel Aviv. Now, I don't know if you've been to Tel Aviv, but compared to Mumbai, it's like there's no cars, okay? But they were in traffic. They thought it was bad for them. And it dawned on them, wait a second, the phone company knows where my phone is and knows where the other guy's phone is. If it tells them to go left and me to go right, there's no more traffic. That was the basis of ways they sold it for a billion dollars the first year with no revenue. It just starts with the basic problem. You don't have to you know, make anti-gravity boots. I mean, real simple stuff. You don't have to be an engineer. I'm not an engineer. I've taught at the largest top engineering school in the country, and I'm not an engineer. So I wish everybody success. I look forward to seeing what you create and making our world better. So I thank you for your time, everybody. And thanks for having me, sir.
0: You're an amazing, inspiring personality. All of us are going to learn more from you. Not only you're a knowledgeable person, Jay, you're a wise person. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks all the audience for being part of it. You're going to check out Jay and all his platforms and definitely read the books. And of course, get inspired to become an author like him. That's his latest one. So Disrupt You and the Future-Proofing You. And there are many more books. We can read all of them. Thank you. Thank you.